Today's guest on the podcast is Leah Weinberg. She's the owner and creator director of ColourPop Events, which is a New York City-based wedding planning company that focuses on the details and lives in the logistics. So that's my daughter, Stella. Hi, Stella. Hi. So do you know Miss Leah? I went to law school with her. That's cool. So she doesn't practice law like mommy either. (laughs) Do you think that's a good thing? Uh, no. No, you're supposed to say yes. Oh, okay. You know why? No. Because like mommy, Leah is much happier not being a lawyer. Oh, interesting. (laughs) So now you have to tell everyone, I hope you enjoy the show. I hope you enjoy the show. (laughs) Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day. And it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health, happiness, and success. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. Today's guest is Leah Weinberg. Hi, Leah. Hello. So excited to be here today. Oh, so am I. So (laughs) Leah and I went to law school together. That's a funny story. And we wore (laughs) plastic glasses before they were cool. I just want to put that out there. (laughs) And then I got my eyes fixed and now I don't wear any. But you still are rocking the cute glasses. I know. Yeah. I wish we would have hung out more in law school. I know. It's funny. There's people who I law school is such a crazy time. Like we didn't know what end was up pretty much. So it's like so hard to. Yeah, I feel like I've learned since then that people are super cool. And I'm like, Oh, we really should have been friends. Yeah, and that, but I always thought about you as like this cool chick. You know what I mean? It was like this understanding. I'm like, I bet I like the music she listens to. Yeah. But like, why weren't we like friends? It's just dumb. I know. We were studying too much. Oh my gosh. And wouldn't you love, I mean, not that I would love to go back to law school, but I remember the older students who like had lived a little and Mm -hmm. they went back to school and they were not nearly as stressed out as we were. I know. They knew knew better. Yeah. They thought this is easy. (laughs) School is easy. It's life that wears you down. (laughs) I know. Exactly. They're probably like, yeah, they probably, it was probably a welcome change for them from like being like in the real world and working and everything. I would love to go back to school for anything. (laughs) It doesn't even matter at this point. So let's talk about what happened to you after law school. What was your path after the big dream that you pursued? So the reason I went to law school, the only reason I went to law school was because I wanted to be an entertainment lawyer. Um, And unfortunately, I didn't have anybody to like guide me or help me figure out how to make that happen. And it turns out it's a pretty difficult thing to get into and also does not pay a ton. Really? Um, Yeah. So surprising. Yeah. So basically, I kind of fell into commercial real estate and that is what I did for 10 years. Oh my gosh, I fell into real estate too. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it just happened. Like I had a summer, um, I was a summer associate at Paul Hastings and I knew I wanted to do transactional. So it was kind of like a choice between either corporate or real estate. And I just happened to really like the people in real estate better. And that was honestly like what, just liking people is what determined (laughs) the next 10 years of my life. (laughs) 
Okay, so what you do now, you own ColourPop Events, which is yes. a, it's basically a wedding planning company, right? Is yep. it mostly wedding or do you do Mostly other wedding. Yeah, mostly wedding, some like corporate and nonprofit stuff, but the majority of what I do is weddings. Okay, so how did you get there? Um, well, I after never having enjoyed a single second of practicing law, I was <laughs> always like try I was always brainstorming business ideas because I just knew that I was destined to own my own business. Like that was sort of that became clear to me pretty early on. Um, Did you think about owning your own law firm? Because I went through that. No, because never. that terrified me. Yeah, it's ter- that's why I never, I even wrote a business plan. Because oh, wow. didn't we have a class in law school about yeah, business? I and I so. did that and I like had the plan and I dusted it off and I thought I'm just going to do this myself. And then I, I was exactly where you are. This is terrifying. Yeah, no, I've never understood because like, People are, some of our contemporaries like went on their own really early. And my thought was, you actually don't know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) See, we should have been friends. (laughs) I saw them in like my good friend, Beth Morris. Um, She, you know, she'll text me. She's like, did you see? And I'm like, did you see? Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? I know. I'm like, how did. still there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even after 10 years, like I still felt the need to like, be have a partner who I could ask questions to and like oversee me because I just (laughs) it's so high stakes and so high stress like I just would not want to take that on myself so yeah always always criminal defense or personal injury and to me those are like the high stakes yeah kind of crazy let's do criminal law and just hope we anyway let's 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 wing it yeah (laughs) (laughs) with your life with your life So, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you check your criminal lawyers' (laughs) background before you hire them. No, we're terrible. See, we would have been great friends. I know. Um, Okay, so where were we? So, yeah, so brainstorming business ideas. Um, I came close to, like, opening a doggy daycare. I thought about going to pastry school and actually opening a bakery. Um, But event planning just kind of – it actually kept popping up as an idea for quite a few years. Um, For me, what attracted me was it's a perfect combination of, like, highly OCD and type A and organizational skills, but it also has a bit of a creative outlet, which is what I was completely missing as an attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got I got married in 2012, planned my own wedding, though I did have a month of coordinator. And that was kind of what sealed the deal for me. Like I found it a really easy, fun and enjoyable process, which I know is not the case for a lot of people. And I was just like, okay, this is what I'm going to try to do. So I got married August 2012, slowly just kind of started getting things off the ground and had my first official wedding in October 2013. Wow. And I was still working terrified. Um, No, not so much. So I had a a pretty good safety net. I was still working full time when I launched the business. Ah, the side uh, hustle. So you got yeah. the side hustle. Side hustle. And then I found a really actually, it's ironic The my favorite place that I ever worked or the best lawyers I ever worked for was my last firm. I have unfortunately, and it was a part time thing. Um, but they were really great. I had a really awesome setup. I worked from home you know, kind of took on hours as I had time for them. And they and they I was completely transparent with them. So they knew exactly they knew I was building a business and stuff. And as long as I got my work done, they really didn't care if I was taking meetings and stuff during the day. So that went on until January, end of January 2016, I left that job and have been law free for like a little over two years. <laughs> Recovering lawyers. Recovering lawyers. We yep. need a podcast. 
I know. I got so sick, actually, um, after I quit. So for the fall, like five months after I quit, finally quit, I was just getting sick like every month, like just really bad colds. And I don't get sick very often. And it was like my body just was completely detoxing from <laughs> 10 years of misery, I think. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it was See, I, I had a good setup, like like you mentioned, with my last job. Um, they were really great. And, um, I had gone part time and I was working from home and basically keeping my own hours, same kind of deal. Mm -hmm. I was in compliance. So I had lots of deadlines and if, as long as I met the deadline, you know, it was good. Um, but toward the end, I talked to my boss and she said, you know, you don't need to be a lawyer, right? And I (laughs) said, what do you mean? Am I not doing a good job? And she's like, no, I love you. It's just, you have a, bigger deal you have a better calling than yeah these spreadsheets and and it was almost like she gave me the permission to leap and I think it was like two weeks and <laughs> I was like leaping <laughs> but I I didn't get sick but I had um almost panic attacks for for weeks I'd wake mm-hmm. up in the middle of the night and think oh my gosh I didn't turn that in and you know and my computer was gone and all but and I'd walk <laughs> in my office and I'm like who took my computer it was really weird but you just something becomes so part of who you are yeah you know and and the biggest problem I had and tell me if you did was um the first time you got the question of what do you do for a living oh yeah it was was weird "Mm, yeah I don't I don't really know (laughs) I don't really make much money right now (laughs) exactly (laughs) oh my gosh so you knew you liked color yes so let's, I love your Instagram. It's so colorful. So, I mean, have you always been kind of into that, into, I don't even know. I'm not very. Yeah. I mean, you know. I've always, yeah. Like I've always responded really strongly to color. Um, my dad's a really visual and creative person. And like, I mean, we had orange wall, like one of the walls in our, my house growing up was bright orange. Um, and like, I had a rainbow mural in my room as a kid. So mm-hmm. like they, you know, I was always surrounded by color. And so like, I respond just really strongly to it. And, um, but it never like, the whole business thing, honestly, was kind of accidental and unintentional. I had a totally different name for my company, but it was too close to what somebody else had. And being a lawyer, I was like, I'm not even going to touch that. Like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to go down that path. Um, so I was trying to think of different names. And like I had, I did a lot of work in the music industry, like in college and as while I was starting out as a lawyer. So music is really important to me. So I was trying to think of another like music related name because that was where my first one came from. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really find anything. And then somehow like I thought of pop of color and I'm like, well, that's too wordy. And then color pop and it just kind of stuck. Um, But it's been perfect because it it's been a really easy and natural brand for me to build because just by virtue of who I am, like I am a very colorful person. Like you should see my closet. Um, (laughs) But it has, it's also kind of been a blessing too, because my like future plans for the company is sort of bigger than just event planning and it's getting into potentially products and books and stuff. So like being able to like brand party supplies with the name ColourPop is going to be pretty awesome. And it was totally by accident. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what I think every time I go to your Instagram, I'm like, I want to buy something. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I can't buy anything because I'm not getting yeah. married again. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really want to do, um, I've been talking about this for a while and the timing just hasn't been quite right yet. Um, but I really want to do start off with a line of kind of basic party supplies, like a few different designs of plates, cups, napkins, um, and just kind of go from there. Oh, so. I love it. I love we shall it. see maybe next year, hopefully next year. That would be awesome if I could pull that off. So what has been your, you're based in New York city. I mean, that mm-hmm. can't be easy to be based in New York city. It's challenging. It's challenging. It's a, I mean, it's a fast pace for everything. Obviously it's a high cost of living. So building a business kind of requires like much loftier goals than being located elsewhere. Um, but I love it. I absolutely love it here. People ask if I would, if my husband's also from Georgia and people ask us all the time if we'd ever go back and I'm like, no way. Yeah. Not leaving. Well, I'm stuck in suburbia for the next 10 years <laughs> until I get these kids graduated. Right. <laughs> but I, I did think like the last time I was in a city, I was in Chicago mm-hmm. and I was seeing these moms like wrestle baby strollers and stuff in a city. And I thought, oh, that's why people move to the burbs. I just never exactly. lived in the city um, yeah. to know. But now I'm, I would love to be in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It's so what, awesome. what has been some of the biggest challenges that you faced as, as far as being a woman in business for yourself? Um, yeah, I think at the, at the beginning, people don't really prepare you for, I think people don't prepare you for a lot of things. Nobody really talks about kind of how long it takes to build up a steady stream of business, how long it takes to actually be making enough money to like support yourself. Um, and also how much of an emotional roller coaster this is. Like I remember in the beginning, this, I love telling the story because there was one, one day I got my first in the morning, I got published on Martha Stewart weddings online for the first time ever. So it was like the happiest day of my life. Mm -hmm. And then by the afternoon, this like snafu had happened with a photographer and I was like in tears (laughs) and it's like within a day I've hit the ups and downs, um, but it is really like it is it's so cliche to say that it's a roller coaster, but it really is like there's so many highs and lows. And the best thing that I've done is like find other women business owners, some in the wedding industry, some outside of the wedding industry, but that still have their own business who I can just talk to and confide in and also like talk business with and go over ideas with. That's been kind of the most important thing is having that support system. You know, one of the things I've found is I thought going into business for myself that I would have all this extra time, that I would get organized, that I would be, you know, just have this more zen life. Mm -hmm. And I know I could do that because I do work for myself. I could go back to sleep, but I don't. It's almost worse. I work. I never, ever, ever stop. Agreed. Yeah. And I think, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like work. You know, I can sit and do one dumb thing for six hours and (laughs) and it doesn't bother me. (laughs) So how do you balance that? Do you, do you believe in balance? I, I don't. (laughs) I, I don't really either. I try to tell, I'm like, I'm one of those do as I say, not as I do. Um, and also part of this stems from being a lawyer because we were used to being on call. So like, I was on call for 10 years. So continuing that honestly doesn't bother me. And it's not a huge change to my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, and it is like, I'm, I'm bad at setting boundaries and I'm trying to be better, but still like there's weeks where if I'm having a really busy week and I'm just flooded with emails, like I'll have to answer emails on the weekend just to catch up by ver- just for my own sake. 
Um, you know, and it's not like I'm trying to be work on a weekend and impress a client. It's just like, I literally didn't have time during the week to get to this stuff. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really hard for me. You know, I've started, I feel like this year has been kind of my year of hitting the point where I'm testing the limits of like what I can do and handle by myself. So I've started outsourcing some things. Um, the girl who interned me interned for me last summer, I brought her on to like do some hourly work remotely just so I can like throw random tasks at her. And that's been a help. So I feel like, um, once you kind of hit a certain point and you feel like it's going to be beneficial to outsource stuff, it can definitely, you should definitely pay attention to that feeling. So what does she do for you? Cause this is where I'm at. I'm teetering. So I'm outsourcing things that I could do like mm-hmm. around the house. Like that's where I'm at <laughs> because yeah. I, I can't like let go of the personal stuff or the business side of things. Yeah. And so I'm like, who wants to come organize my closet? I'll pay you, you know, it's stuff like, it's really odd what I'm doing, but cause I can't figure out how to draw the line. Maybe yeah. it would be more clear for your business, but like what, what do you have her do? Is. Yeah, I think it is more clear because for me, I'm maintaining control over my client interactions, but uh-huh. other stuff that's not client facing. So I have, I've hired a few people to do, to blog for me. I have hired Ooh. a company to do SEO work for me. And then with my um, former intern, she's doing all sorts of random stuff. Like I have her do the first draft of the day of timelines for me for weddings. And then obviously like I proof it and then I send it out. So there's no, like, I don't have to worry about if there's typos and stuff. I catch it and I fix it. Um, for instance, I, so I'm doing these pop-up shops for Johnny Cupcakes, which is a clothing company. And like, I just recently had her research online event listings in New York City for me of places that I could submit to and get that listed. Because I'm like, I don't, it's totally something she can do. It saves me time. Also, for example, with couples like researching hotels and hotel walks and stuff, Mm -hmm. like there's no reason why I have to be the one doing that. Like she can research, see what's in the area, get prices. Um, So yeah, I I will say I'm lucky because of the way that just by virtue of my business, like I can still handle client facing stuff and outsource a lot of other things without, without like a lot of trust issues. Yeah. The problem I've done, I I have, is I've built this business that revolves around me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I need to like have other things. You know what I mean? Because I can't duplicate myself and, and, you know, like you said, hire someone to blog for you. I feel like anyone that's read my blog for a second would know, because it's different. You're putting out like content. Right. I'm putting out feelings, right? Right. Anyone would be like, this is not her. And they revolt. Um, (laughs) But I did. So I did go on a tangent where someone was helping me. For example, I wanted to submit some articles for publication. And so I Mm -hmm. said, can you go and find these magazines contact list so I can submit. And she did it and I never did anything with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm having like terrible follow through. Yeah, I will. So I was sort, yeah, I can totally see that happening. And so what I've done is I've actually now hired like a PR company 
like for my speaking engagements. So instead of like having my intern research conferences for me to apply to, I'm just working with a company who actually does the submissions and stuff for me because I would be show up. (laughs) Yeah. And I would be because I would be the same way. Like I would get all this information of all these places I could apply to and just never actually find the time to apply for them. So yeah, like spending, yeah, this year has been a lot about like figuring out what it's worth spending money on and just going for it. Yeah, it's a different world with with marketing too, with with Uh, Facebook and everything. I mean, I used two years ago, I would write a blog post and 16,000 people would see it uh just because they like my page. And now, you know, it's like 60. I know. (laughs) Oh, I have to pay for people that like my page to even see it. This is awesome. I had, it's funny, um, I had a bit of a revelation recently from a book that I was reading because for the longest time, I never bought into the value of email marketing and collecting people's email addresses because Mm -hmm. like as a wedding planner, you know, getting email, collecting email addresses, like these people are one-time clients. It's not necessarily repeat business. Like if you've already been married, do you want to keep seeing about weddings of other people? Like I just never believed in it. And then when I started, like, I was trying to promote a nonprofit event a few weeks ago, and like five people saw my post on Facebook. <laughs> and I was like, <sighs> and so I, it finally clicked for me that I have to have people's email addresses so that I can send them this information directly because it is no, like you said, it is no longer being seen on Facebook or Instagram. Right. And it's so frustrating. Well, I talked to one of the Facebook marketing experts, like, mm-hmm. you know, they reach out and they say, how can we help you? And I was like, Oh, you can help me. All right. And so I booked a consult with this poor guy named Ryan. <laughs> and um, I said, I want to tell you something, Ryan. <laughs> Gave him the whole spiel. And he was so he was so awesome because I could just tell that's all he's heard because if my husband asked me a really interesting question, he was like, Hey, you know, if you started your blog now could, Mm. you know, with the same information, the same you, would you have, you know, be as successful as you are? And I'm like, absolutely not. Probably not. Yeah. 10 years ago, you know, if you liked it, you saw it. And so the audience is able to grow organically and that's just not the case. It's tough. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your adventures in, in weddings. Before we started recording, you mentioned something about a flopper. Yes. <laughs> what is a flopper? Uh, so apparently there is um, this thing where people, well, let me give you the context of the story. So I was doing a wedding um, <clears throat> in the Hudson Valley, which is like a little bit upstate New York. It was a private home. So it's like just this huge private property. Um, everything was outdoors, like kind of thing. And the couple had wanted to have their ceremony down the hill. So it was like overlooking the Hudson River. And there was a couple who me and some of the other people had kind of noticed was hanging around and they sort of looked like they didn't necessarily necessarily belong and they weren't really talking to anybody. So when it came time to get guests down to the area for the ceremony, like everybody had to walk down a hill and unfortunately guests didn't listen and they were wearing inappropriate footwear. (laughs) So this older couple starts making their way down the hill and they actually fall. They slip and fall and both of them, I mean, it was like out of a cartoon. They were rolling and tumbling down this hill and like everybody freaked out. The groom ran to try to help them. We got them up. Um, and then somehow someone asked them, you know, if they needed, if they like needed to take their seats. And then we realized that this couple was at the wrong wedding. 
So there was a wedding that was, I guess, happening at a property sort of across the street. And so they were at the wrong place. So we get them shuttled off. But then I'm talking to the owner of the venue and she's telling me, she's like, I think they might have been floppers. And I was like, what's a flopper? (laughs) And apparently it is people who intentionally come onto like either they're like intentionally party crash and they come onto people's property and they fake a fall or an injury or something just so that they could sue. And it's like basically like wedding crasher con artists. Um, Fortunately, nothing happened. Like, fortunately I never heard of them like getting in touch after the fact. So I, I guess maybe they just really were in the wrong place and they were like, they weren't hurt or anything. Um, But yeah, it was bizarre. And I I love the name though. I mean, a flopper. Yeah. Someone who falls down intentionally is called a flopper. Yep. Like a squatter. I also like nice squatters. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So how has being an attorney prepared you for like, and I don't want to say like the legal skills for owning your own business and contracts, right. but like the, just because I, I always rat on lawyer or rag on lawyers and say, oh, yeah. I don't go to law school. Why would you do that? But it's been a really useful background. You I know, know right? Day, it has been helpful. <laughs> um I still keep my license in case I ever have to write a nasty gram. I mean, yep, same here. Yeah. yeah. So has it been helpful? It's been, it's actually been tremendously helpful as much as it pains me to kind of say that, (laughs) but it prepared me for so much. Um, I think like client service, uh, the responsiveness part, you know, knowing how to deal with difficult people, knowing how to stay calm in high stakes situation if something goes wrong learning how to like troubleshoot and actually solve that problem if you have to like fix something quickly. Um, And also for me, project management. So when I was a real estate attorney, I was doing like, you know, 20, 30, 40 deals at once, which you had to be on top of. You had to know where all of them stood at any given moment. You had to be flipping back and forth. And that's kind of pretty similar to doing like, I do around between 15 to 20 weddings a year, but it's the same thing. I'm constantly flipping back and forth, fielding phone calls. So at any given moment, I need to just be on top of and remember like what's happening with a certain wedding. So the project management side of it also um, has helped. But yeah, dealing, just learning how to deal with people and seeing lots of different personalities and different emotions come out in different contexts. It was, it was really helpful. So I'm sure you interview your clients as much as they interview you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get out of a sticky situation with someone that you really just aren't interested in? Fortunately, helping? so I I feel like if I'm not feeling them, then it's like 99% sure that they're not feeling me either. Uh, so yeah. in those situations, I honestly just never follow up with them. Um, and I've never had anything happen. Um, I was talking to a group of business owners a few weeks ago and because somebody brought up that same question. They're like, if somebody's not a good fit for you, how do you politely kind of, you know, get out of it? And sometimes you say like, either I'm no longer available for your date, or I don't think you're the best fit. And there was a photographer there who because usually once you say that, like, presumably the couple gets the hand and goes away. This photographer was telling a story about how one couple just kept pressing her. And the bride like wrote her back and said, what do you mean we're not a good fit? Like what, (laughs) what's wrong? And she wanted details. And I think the photographer responded with something and then the bride called her. And so she had to talk through it with her on the phone. And then, then 
thinking that it was over, the groom called her and was like, my fiance is in tears. What did you say to her? And I was like, this, okay, folks, this is not the norm. Like, usually people take the hint and go away. But I was just like, oh, that's why I don't answer the phone most of the time right. if I don't recognize another. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And you're you're sitting there thinking, this is exactly why we're not a good fit. Like, do you right. hear yourself? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was going to, oh, I'll have to come back to it. I was thinking of something and, and it just fell out of my brain. That's one of the side effects of not being a lawyer. Apparently I can't, can't, <laughs> I can't remember that. anything anymore. Um, so what do you need to plan for an event? Like if I'm, I know you do mostly wedding planning, but I am a hot mess when it comes to knowing where to start. Like yeah. what is your canned advice for where I have to plan an event? Where do I start? Um, I think the first thing to do is to figure out the budget, like figure out how much money you have or want to spend on it, because that informs pretty much everything that comes after. Like once you know how much you want to spend, then the first, the other step is kind of like figuring out the scope of it, like how many people you want to invite. And then you start looking at venues. So you kind of, you can't really figure go looking at venues until you know how many people and then knowing how many people also informs how much you're probably going to spend. Um, and where do you like to come into the process right at the beginning? I do. Cause I, I like to get to couples before they've made a lot of decisions that could potentially make my life more <laughs> difficult. So going back to the example of the couple that fell down the hill this piece of proper, like that couple hired me um, maybe midway through the process. So when I came in, they already had a vision of how they wanted to use the property. And I get it. It's a big piece of property. You're paying a lot of money. So your initial inclination is let's use every inch of this property. So it was like ceremony down the hill by the river, cocktail hour up the hill by the pool, reception back by the main house at the tent. And like everybody, there was so much walking around. But then, but that just wasn't efficient. Like the caterer had to use a golf cart to get the food. It was obviously really difficult for guests to get down and up from this hill because, and again, nobody listened when they told them what kind of footwear to wear. Um, <laughs> but had I, and I'm actually working at that venue again next year, I just started working with the couple and we, one of the first questions I asked them was, what are you envisioning for how you're using the property? And they're keeping everything condensed in the same location. And I'm like, that's perfect. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's helpful to get involved at the beginning before they've like committed to things or even spent money unnecessarily. Um, also, if I'm involved in the venue search process, I can help them find venues that are not going to just be a complete money suck. So I hear, I hear from a few couples that booked a place before I got involved and they're like, yeah, had we actually known what all was going to go into this at this place, like, you know, if it's a just if it's just like an open field, you're bringing in electric and bathrooms and tent and dance. Oh, wow. Yeah, everything. They're like, yeah, I, we wouldn't have done this had we really understood the scope. So hire, so you... hire a wedding planner early on <laughs> is the lesson. So do you do remote jobs? No, everything's local. Everything's um, yeah, I'm not interested in I've done I did a wedding in Mexico for some friends. And then I did a destination wedding in Florida. And it is just not like for photographers. It's, I think, a pretty sweet gig because you get flown to places they pay for your accommodations and you stay for a few days and like snap awesome pictures for planners. 
I didn't know anybody down there. If there had been an emergency, like I have no re- I don't have my usual network of resources to tap to like, you know, fix a problem. I've never worked with these vendors before. So what happens if they don't show up? What happens if the food is terrible? Like there's just so much that could go wrong. And I'm stressed out enough owning a business that I try to <laughs> minimize any stress, like potential stress for events. So yeah, I'm just not not interested in doing the destination thing. Got it. So I have a little triathlon retail business where I have very colorful clothing. Yes. Um, I struggle with colors. Every time I go to make a new kit, I'm like, um, and I go to Pinterest, you know, uh, search cute color schemes, you know, <laughs> and I don't know if it's good or not. And then they come out and they're usually pretty cute. So what color scheme am I missing? um there's actually what is cool right now um well there's actually there's a tool that i recently discovered so pantone has an app that lets you kind of like customize color palettes and so once you pick one color it tells you like what's complementary um which is pretty cool um i mean i'm always fan of bright colors do you have a red do you have a kit that's like red i feel like a nice i haven't done red yet so my very first kit in 2011, 12 was red and I did it. It was actually red and black for Georgia. Nice. Um, and then I haven't, everything's been kind of not necessarily girly colors, but more blues, purples, pinks, greens, yellows, mm-hmm. oranges. I have not gone back to red, but I, I think I wanted, I was thinking about doing back like a, a reddish, but I don't yeah. know. Do red. I love, I love a good I red. Love red. I do yeah. too. Yeah. Back to my roots. Yeah. <laughs> And I well, feel like red is great for, for sports and activity and stuff too. I don't know. I've always. What would the complimentary color be? Do red, white, and blue America? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would. I like a yellow, but yellow is a little too McDonald's. Uh, oh my gosh. I'm glad you said that. Cause yeah, I'm sitting here thinking, yellow. yeah, I love that. And then, you know, someone else after yeah. I've spent. I like it too, on. but you've got to, it's got to be in like, uh, yeah, you have to use it in moderation. But like a good red with maybe like a yellow, orange, or pink kind of accent is uh-huh. nice. Got to be careful at McDonald's. Oh, gosh, yeah. Leah, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I would have just gone with that. <laughs> I like a red, white, and black though too. Just like classic. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so what is it that makes your 24 hours great? That's this podcast, the same 24 <laughs> hours. We all have the same ones. Um, it's what we do with them in the, in our I know. hours that makes us, you know, the best version of ourselves. So what's something you do on a daily basis that makes you the best version of yourself? Um, within the last couple of years, I've started getting into meditation. So I try to meditate daily and, um, have seen like really great results from it. I think the first time that I realized that it was actually doing something was one morning when I was on the subway and I didn't want to actually kill everybody. (laughs) (laughs) How long did it take you to get to that point? (laughs) Um, I don't think it, I think it just took a few, like several weeks of like, committing to it um but I really love it I use the calm app so I do like the guided meditations if you pay for their annual thing you get so many different options like different topics and stuff I really love it um I've also tried to institute doing a gratitude journal so I try to write in my gratitude journal every night and I do three things I'm grateful for and three things I'm looking forward to And that just kind of makes you feel good. Like that's a good way to kind of end your day and wind down before going to sleep. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's so interesting about 90% of the guests on the show. It's meditation. And mm-hmm. I am just not there. <laughs> I keep fighting it. But it's just in and I'm writing a book now. And it now I have to have a chapter about it because I yeah. really can't avoid the mental part of it. And so I'm yeah. like, crap, I have to freaking meditate because I have to write about it. <laughs> um, and I tried the Headspace app and the guy's voice drove me insane. Oh, I don't like, no, I, I don't do like them, his voice so. either. Yeah. The woman who does the call app is wonderful. Yeah. I just, I, and I don't like to sit straight up. I, I have all these excuses and I, and I've talked this through with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you can I, lay I down. Like, Okay. Then I'm I mean, like, don't, I yeah, know. you gotta, yeah, you gotta make, I mean, you, there's a writ, like do it when you're awake enough so that you're not going to like fall back asleep. But yeah. Yeah. Do you someday, do it in the morning first thing? Usually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and sometimes if I want to lay down, I lay down, like you don't have to be sitting up straight. And so do you put it. your little earbuds in and do it? Or is your husband already up and gone? Like how I'm up, work? I'm up before him. So it's usually me and the dog and the cat, like the cat come, we have a morning ritual. She'll come and like sit on my lap. And usually the dog wanders out and like sits next to me. And we so just you med- actually get up and go do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I get, yeah, I get out of the bedroom and like go sit in the couch on the couch in the living room. Okay. And it's just yeah, 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes. It's not bad. It's just a good way to start the day and like there have been times where like if I was just really stressed out or just really couldn't focus like in the middle of the day I'll take a 10 minute break and just do one of one of them like they have ones for anxiety where it's like or emergency calm that's I love the name of that one so like if you're freaking out and panicking you should do that one oh my gosh I need that that's brilliant yeah Yeah. see that I need to do that. I say that every episode. I'm like, I need to do that. But I, you know, I'm getting up at three thirty or four o'clock every morning now. I could oh, take ten minutes. Ouch! At the beginning to do that. Well, this is the only time I can find a write that's quiet. Oh goodness! The rest of the day, you know how it is. It just, yeah. You get up, you touch your phone, and then it's it's tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm trying to. It's working really well. I'm sleep deprived, but. Um, getting up at that hour is yeah. really wonderful. Um, so What's man, the book on? I can't tell you yet. Oh, <laughs> all right. But it's 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 out of the triathlon realm, which is nice. Okay. Um, it's it's definitely about living your best life and that kind of things. But um, I can't tell you what it's about because I'm not really there yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did the pitch. Someone bought it, and now um, it keeps moving. So oh, that's amazing! Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's exciting. It's, it's a process. Talk about a process. Yeah, yeah. Book writing is a process. Yeah. And every day my son comes home and he goes, how many pages did you write? Oh. I'm like, shut up, little kid. Don't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Leah, so much for your time. This was yeah, great. Yeah, this is awesome. I will thank post you. up links to all your very colorful social media. And yeah, if I'm ever in New York, I'll just come knock on your door and we'll do like for real hangout. Yes, please. For <laughs> sure. Yeah, this is amazing. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it.